Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, this week's show will be split into two broad parts. In the first part of the show, I'll be talking to semi-regular contributor to Polling Matters, John Christopher Buer, who is a White House uh, correspondent and political analyst at Talk Media News and will be uh, uh, known to regular listeners to the podcast because he's been on a few times. And I wanted to get JC's views on the latest goings on in American politics because we haven't really discussed that um, for a little while on this podcast, given what's going on over here. And then after my conversation with JC, I'm going to unveil some new Polling Matters opinion numbers, which track our regular question of whether or not um, voters think there should be a novel referendum on Britain's membership of the EU. And there's been some interesting shifts there, which I think were, may get some attention. Um, and we also have asked a question about how passionately different groups of people feel about Britain's membership of the European Union. And there'll be some interesting demographic breaks there. So without further ado, let's crack on with the show. The first part, as I mentioned, was me talking to uh, John Christopher Buer earlier this week. Um, This podcast is published on Wednesday. My conversation with John Christopher was yesterday on Tuesday, and we discussed a range of issues in the United States, um, including Donald Trump's recent uh, appearance in front of the G20 and his own domestic um, political situation. But we started by discussing the uh, damning revelations this week about what Donald Trump Jr. has been up to. Here is that conversation. So I'm here with John Christopher Buer. Uh, JC, welcome back to Polling Matters. Well, it's lovely to be with you. Look forward to seeing you in uh, in, in Blighty uh, soon as well. Uh, I very much hope we do. So um, this this felt like a good opportunity, JC, to talk about um, events across the pond. My, my colleague Leo always hates when I use that phrase, but it feels like it's a, a suitable one for sort of friends and allies in the UK and US. Um, there's there's plenty to to talk about, JC. I mean, there seems to be breaking news this afternoon related to Donald Trump's son. I mean, how about you explain to the listeners what's happened? Well, I mean, you have to realize that uh, it could change in the middle of sentence. So that's usually how it works. Uh, in June 3rd, 2016, an email sent to Donald Trump Jr. Uh, could hardly have been more explicit. I'm quoting a little bit from the New York Times who broke this story. One of his father's former Russian business partners had been contacted by a senior Russian government official and was offering to provide the Trump campaign with dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now, this is uh, in- individuals. It's looking like this individual was connected somewhat to the crown, as, as they would say, in, in, in the UK. And excuse me, I apologize. Uh, connected to the Russian uh, investigatory crown, as, as they say, uh, very high level indeed. And they were willing to give information from, it seems, from the Russian government uh, about dirt on Hillary. And, and, you know, they've been getting all sorts of dirt through WikiLeaks, et cetera, and, uh, and some of the, 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 the um, uh, things coming out of the DNC. Uh, so they, they were ripe with, uh, with information. And, and, and young Trump, uh, Jr., actually, he said, and, and he put this in a, in a, uh, in a tweet, uh, he said, uh, "If it's what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer." And he and then he he put a meeting together where they could actually discuss this. Now this puts him front and center of of what what our people are calling here the the Russian uh, U.S. Uh, Trump uh, collusion. And I think uh, when when uh, Special Counsel Mueller gets a hold of this. Certainly, when the committees are, have already gotten a hold of this information, uh, it, it seems uh, that uh, it's going to put uh, 
uh, Donald Trump Jr. right in the middle of it. And and the the, the crazy thing is, he he released these tweets today, uh, and and they're all, they're out there, and you know you can look down on the Twitter page or on the internet and see, and you can't believe he was so so dumb to do something like this. Well, I was going to just realize... interject there, JC. I mean, I, I was going to ask that question because. What, what what possessed him to send this information out there? Because I mean, I'm not a lawyer, and I know, I know you're not, so I don't know whether it's it's hard to gauge just how um, what's the word incriminating this this uh, this evidence well, might be. But what possessed him to to actually put this information out there? You know, as I as I teach my students at Catholic University, where I'm now teaching a summer graduate course, and they they they. they they find this information really uh, amazing. And when we talk about politics in the media, as you know, the first rule of politics is get out in front of something and own it, name it yourself, expose it on your own terms so they can't beat you over the head with it. It's politics 101. And I think he thought he was doing that. But, uh, but, but he, really, he really made a huge mistake, and I think he should have talked to his lawyers. And he's going on Hannity tonight. Uh, to talk about uh, this. And of course, Hannity on Fox is going to give him a nice, easy run. But still, you don't expose yourself in something that is so, so crucial, especially when Trump is, uh, is, has come back from the G20 and he looks like he was cozying up with, with Putin and they were going to share some cybersecurity. And then the next day he said in a tweet, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, he's driving everybody in the White House absolutely batty. They can't follow him. Mm. Let's talk about the uh, the Trump presidency um, more generally. Um, Donald Trump's been on the um, international scene recently, and I, I just want to refer to a video um, that that you posted recently for Talk Media News, and we'll, we'll post a link to that for uh, listeners if, if they wish to to look at that. Um, and I just want to quote what you said about this um, about about uh, Donald Trump's travels. So you said, in just six months, Trump has cast aside decades of American leadership with nothing to put in its place, leaving our enemies unchecked. Instead of making America great again, President Trump has diminished America's influence on the world and may have put America and the world's security at risk. So those are very strong words from you, JC. I mean, what, 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 what makes you uh, say those words? Well, I mean, he went over there and uh, to, to, I really don't know why, he seemed to be walking around in a daze. He made a very somewhat patriotic speech in Poland. Then he came back in the, at the G20 in Hamburg, pretty much uh, was insulting to people after Brussels, telling everyone they had to pay up or shut up when it comes to NATO. Uh, and, and the Paris Peace Accord, he, he poo-pooed that one, excuse me. Uh, and, and I think what, what's, what's happened was, you know, we have presidents, whether it's Reagan or, or Kennedy, uh, Obama, Clinton, they've taken, uh, God, God, Franklin Roosevelt, we've taken America, since, especially since World War II, has shown great leadership uh, in, in, in terms of military, economic, and the moral leadership. And now with, uh, with Trump, it looks like he's, he's, doesn't, he's not at all interested in that. Whether he's interested in in uh, in, in cozying up to Putin, uh, he's he said he would go have this uh, cyber uh, security relationship with him. Now, listen, you know, seventy years since since World War II, and we the the Brits and the and the and the Yanks were were hand in hand worked worked together to defeat fascism, and then NATO was set up to to hold, as they say, to hold the Nazis down. The, the, the Soviets away and keep the America involved. And he's, he's kind of thumbed his nose at all of that stuff. And this is with a former KGB colonel, Vladimir Putin. I mean, it is hard for most Americans to believe, but Trump still has his supporters. 
they're very loyal to him. Uh, and I think slowly they're going to start fading away. Now, the real key is here. The, well, the leadership, well, the, re, the leadership, uh, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and the others uh, in, in the Senate, because the Republicans are, are in control of both the House and the Senate, see, this is a, a no-win situation. Uh, they're not going to get health care. They're not going to get immigration reform. They're not going to get all the things that Trump promised they, were, they would be getting. And they're going to say, wait a minute, we're up for election. All of the House of Representatives is, is up for election in, in a little more than a year. And a, 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 third, a third of the Senate is up for election in, in a little more than a year. So they may have what uh, Barry Goldwater and Hugh Scott did back in 1974, a little knock on the on the door at the Oval Office at the White House. When Barry Goldwater said to Nixon, I am told, uh, listen, Dick, it's time to get that bleep out of this house. And the next day, Nixon resigned. Well, very, very interesting um, thoughts there. But one of the things I wonder about, JC, is the divided nature of American politics. I mean, you, you allude to um, Trump still has his supporters. His, his approval rating with Gallup hovers around the 40% mark. 55% disapprove, obviously extremely split on partisan lines. The same is true. Um, I was looking at a recent Quinni, uh, um, Quinnipiac poll um, about Trump's links to Russia. 59% uh, concerned about those links, 40% not so con not concerned. But then when you ask Republicans, one in four of them are concerned and three quarters are not concerned. So whether it's healthcare, whether it's Russia, whether it's other things, there does seem to be this partisan divide, doesn't there? And I just wonder... I mean, you know, just how much trouble is Trump really in? Because it seems like the Republicans, when push comes to shove, they err, but they end up backing him, don't they? I mean, do, do, do you really think that can change? Well, I don't. This, the, you know, first of all, Trump, Trump is not a Republican. OK, he 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 obfuscated. He took away. He took he 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 country. He went in and, and basically uh, stole the GOP away from the Republicans. He went to uh uh, the Republican National Committee. He went, met with Rents, Priebus, et cetera, and he offered them. He says, look, and I know he's from Queens. I'm from Queens. I know this kind of tough guy, guy attitude. He said, look, I can win this presidency for you. I'm going to put all these things you want into play. I have, a, I have the, the, the charisma. Hillary's worthless. These other guys, these uh, 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 Lion Ted and, and, and Marco, little Marco, he, he, he named them. He called them he he branded them and he said i'll um I, he was never really a republican but he captured the republican party and then they put they went along with him and he won for them now the the real republicans in this country are not trump people you know they're fiscally conservative they're they're uh hard-working decent people he went and got people who are uninformed about exactly what he would do and he 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 captured them because there was a real need there were people who were who felt uh, uh, n uh not connected they felt that they were were not part of the of the american dream they were not happy with barack obama they couldn't believe that a, a, a black man was elected two times there's a lot of that that racism that came in they're disenfranchised dis disconnected and uh, they, they in fact, and I, I was on, I believe, on on your show yep, talking absolutely. about the fact well. that, yep. that Trump, this this son of a gun, is going to win, uh, because he has really been able to capture the that kind of angst in this country, especially in the Midwest, where Hillary didn't even bother uh, campaigning, 
And as you know from your polls, he wiped he wiped that that area up, and that's how he won mm-hmm. the election. But he's now he has to perform as as I said the morning after. Uh, I remember uh, Adam Bolton came to my cla- class at Catholic University, and right before I did a video, before I picked up Adam to go with me, I did a piece on the lawn of the White House, and I said, "Why, why were all the pollsters wrong? Why were the pundits wrong?" And I said, "Well, he's got." He's got 535 members of Congress that he has to work with. He's got the leaders in Europe that he has to work with. And remember, as Malvolio said in Shakespeare's uh, Twelfth Night, some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. And I turned around and I looked at the White House and I said, will Donald Trump have thr- – will he be able to, to take that greatness that has been thrust upon him and do something and become a good president? And I guess it was, we're still not even a year in, of course, so and there's plenty um... – Plenty of drama to, to uh, follow through in this act, as it were. Um, I want to finish by talking about the Democrats, but before we get to the Democrats, I, I had yeah. a question. That's I, a sorry lot as well. <laughs> I had a question for you about healthcare because I stumbled yeah. across yeah, yeah. Um, this interesting uh, polling data um, from the Kaiser Family Foundation, which really surprised right. me because um, we know about the healthcare travails. Um, that are going on with um, with Trump Care or whatever you want to call it, but I've always been under the impression that there's, a, there's an aversion to sort of universal healthcare in the states. But actually, this poll suggested that support for a single play a single payer plan was at fifty three percent. Medicare for all was at fifty seven percent. So now, now I know um, support in an opinion poll is very different to it being executed and enacted in, in in practical terms. But I was surprised that there does seem to be a large chunk of Americans that would quite like the idea of universal healthcare. So why is it so difficult for America to um, develop a system where everybody is covered? Well, because people, oh, it, I came to Washington twenty five years ago. Uh, to work on the Hillary and Bill Clinton health care campaign. It was, a, it was a program out of the Democratic National Committee, and it was called Health Care for Everyone, Health Care That's Always There. And what we ran into, Karen, was a brick wall from Big Pharma and from, and from the insurance companies. They did not want it. The system here is much different than it is in the UK and in Europe. We have national, you know, have your national health service. We don't have that. We, the closest thing we have that to that is is the Medicare, and and actually it works. Uh, but we we the way that it's been it's been the language has been used, as I say, the the way the politics has worked, and the money that big pharma has, and the money that the insurance companies have. I mean, there there's it's an entire. Uh, e- economic structure. So they're saying, look, if you go universal, well, we're going to put all those people out of work, and it's not going to be good. And it's going to be like the British, and you know that they they wait online forever to get to see a doctor. That's the kind of stuff they got way out in front of that, and they were able to brand it as a, as a non as a non-starter. Now, however, however, because of Bernie Sanders and others who realize that, wait a second. What we've got isn't very good. People don't quite understand what Obamacare is. The Trump care, it doesn't exist. And the Republicans are trying to work on something. Now, just breaking news for you right here. Uh, Mitch McConnell has stopped, uh, delayed the, his, uh, the Senate vacation uh, for, for two weeks so they could work on this. So they're, they're unhappy. So they have to stay in Washington. And it's not very nice. They're very, very muggy, very hot. They have to stay until they bang out some kind of a health care plan, which I don't think they're going to do. 
with, with even just two weeks more. Sure, but your 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 impression is that even though that you can we can produce certain polls that would suggest that a majority of Americans would quite like some kind of universal healthcare coverage. You just think the the practicalities of enacting that with big pharma and uh, and all the rest of it being very opposed mean that that's just never going to happen. It's never going to get through the Congress. Well, there, it, it, there may be. There may be more incremental uh, additions to the Medicare Medicaid sure. system yeah. that we have, which will then uh, alleviate some of that stress. But people, I mean, people are really suffering here. Uh, if you you work for for a business, you know that that's fine. You may have coverage, uh, but if if you're if you're alone uh, and and if you're you're working is fine. If you're not working, you can get you can get health care. But if you are working and not making quite enough. It's tough, and you have to choose between whether or not you're going to get, uh, you know, get your kids uh, you know, braces uh, for her teeth, or 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 uh, or, 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 or buy uh, buy food this week. Mm. It's very, 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 very tough. Healthcare in this system is broken. Clinton tried it. Uh, Obama tried it. Trump doesn't even understand it. Sorry, and uh, that's really the problem. So it's up to the Democrats and the Republicans in the House and Senate to work something out. Now, Mitch McConnell, so you got two more weeks to go, but sure. it's not going to happen. I think I remember Bill Clinton once saying that America has the best health care in the world, but not the best health care system. And I think that's uh, quite, a, quite a pithy way in his traditional style of uh, summarizing the issue. I want to um, finish by talking about the Democrats. Um, you'll, you'll know, of course, that we had a general election here recently where Jeremy Corbyn did much, much better than many people, including myself, uh, thought that he would. Um, yeah. So, the, so the, ob the obvious comparison to make then is um, what about what might this mean for America? Now, of course, very, very different systems, very, very different uh, candidates at play. But there are comparisons between what Jeremy Corbyn's been doing here and what Bernie Sanders has been doing in America. Um, this old professor, uh, professorial um, sort of guy uh, inspiring millennials, you'll know a lot of these people from teaching them in your classes. So do you think then that given how close Jeremy Corbyn has got here, and he may yet get to that promised land, as it were, that the people like Bernie Sanders and maybe Elizabeth Warren could end up in the White House? Well, I, I think uh, they're, they're both uh, honorable people. Uh, and I think along ter in terms of Jeremy Corbyn and his, uh, you know, his opposing uh, uh, Theresa May, it, 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 it's easy for, for him in a way because you know, a lot of people don't think Theresa May is terribly charismatic, and so on and so forth. Hillary had her own personal issues that people found rather standoffish, and and the Corbyn, I, th I thought that was interesting. The Corbyn uh, Bernie Sanders connection with the youngsters, and that's what we're talking about, is kind of like you know the 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 baby boomer generation that they wish they were in some on some level. You know, the millennials in my class, they asked me, Professor, what was it like when you were our age 20 years ago? I said, well, you, know, it was, you think it was great? You think, well, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. You know, Martin Luther King was assassinated. We got tear gassed in Chicago. Nixon said he had a, a secret weapon to end the war in Vietnam. We ended up with him. He was, articles of impeachment came out. He, he, had, to, uh, he had to leave. And, and Gerald Ford, thank God for the nation, uh, pardoned him. But I think they like that kind of guy. They like the fact that Bernie Sanders says to them, you can be anything you want. You can do what you want. We don't need big government. And, and we want universal health care for everyone. So they see that kind of grandfatherly guy and they like him. And I mm. understand why. Mm. And do you think that um, maybe 
he he would run again. I mean, he's going to be very old in 2020, but I mean, <laughs> the, the, the rules the rules of the game seem to be changing all the time, JC, don't they? I mean, what we well, thought, you know, go on. There was just a there was just a a, a big uh, uh, news flash came out today. It said now the more cof- coffee you drink, you can maybe even live to a hundred. So maybe if uh, Bernie Sanders starts drinking copious cups of Java every morning, he may live on and, <laughs> and run for president and win. But I, I, I think the problem with the Democrats is uh, they don't have anyone on deck, as we would say in baseball. I don't see anyone you know, in the wings. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Joe Biden would have been, I think he would have probably beaten Trump because he's a, he's a tough guy. Too. Oh, he I probably agree. wouldn't have taken any, any, any crap, as we say, from him. But he didn't want to for personal reasons, and I understand that. Uh, he's not going to be go- going. Bernie Sanders is not going to run. Elizabeth Warren not going to run we have there's someone well, let me let me pause there let me let me, let me jump in there elizabeth warren not going to run i mean like she seems to be setting herself i know she's up for re-election um in the midterms but she seems they're to be setting herself the up as the standard bearer they're not going to make the same mistake twice and have uh that kind of an individual uh you know very liberal type of individual running uh and i'm sorry to say uh they're, they're, the democrats are going to have to find someone who's tough who can who can also appeal, really appeal to the working class Joe Joe and Jill out there, and uh, this highfalutin uh, progressive stuff ain't going to go because it's not going to get the middle of the road people, it's not going to get the independents, and it's certainly not going to bring any disenfranchised Republicans. Remember, after two years or three years, God knows how long Trump is going to be in the White House. I mean, ser- I'm serious. He may not make it through four years. I, I wish him well, and I, he's my president. But he may not, and you don't know. And what's going to happen? Pence is going to be the president. Uh, it's it, we don't know. We are in a. We will be entering a constitutional crisis within the next forty-eight hours. And I hope and pray that it all works out uh, for everyone, because uh, you know you, you, the Brits are our, our allies. And, and there's another thing: Trump is going to France. He's going to the to Bastille Day. I mean, after this is a little sidebar, but after going to the Hamburg. And getting that kind of unfortunate reception, I mean, I don't quite understand why Macron invited him to be in Paris at the Champs-Élysées on the boulevard there uh, during that. I mean, what kind of a a, a mad uh, invitation was that? And and Trump is going. Hmm. Well, John Christopher Buer, fascinating as ever. A great uh, great conversation with you. Um, We're not short of uh, things to talk about these days, are we? But um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, thank you for your time. And I do hope to see you in September. And you can always follow me on Twitter at at JCBUA, put in my plug. Absolutely, you go. Glad, 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 glad for you to do that. Um, JC, great to see, uh, speak to you again, and hope to see you in September. You'll see me in London. Cheers. Thanks, JC. That was John Christopher Buer again. There, a big thanks to JC for joining me on the podcast. I always uh, enjoy our conversations and uh, enjoy his uh, perspective on things. He seems to really give us a unique insight into what's going on in in U.S. politics. Um, I will pick him up on one point, though. I I do disagree a bit on uh, Elizabeth Warren. I must say um, my suspicion is that she is the person to beat uh, for the Democratic nomination. Granted, we do have uh, three years or so uh, until that... um, process concludes and it, you know a lot of, a lot of things can change between now and then but she does seem to be setting herself up as the person to inherit that Bernie Sanders mantle although I would uh, share 
um, skepticism that she would beat Donald Trump, I could certainly see her losing to him. Given the way politics seems to be changing at the moment and given how well Jeremy Corbyn did uh, in the UK election, I do wonder whether Elizabeth Warren could beat him and beat him quite comfortably. But a long, long way to go until we get there, of course, uh, until we get to a Warren versus Trump contest. And indeed, it may not may very well not be Donald Trump. So we'll have to wait and see. But as ever, a big thanks to JC and we look forward to having him uh, on the podcast again in the future. Now, I wanted to close uh, with a couple of thoughts on um, Brexit and the latest uh, developments there. Regular listeners to the podcast will know that we have a series of polls with um, Opinion where they give us access to sort of exclusive data that they're producing, that we, which we can reveal on the podcast. And one of the um, uh, regular questions that we ask relates to this idea of having a second referendum on uh, Britain's membership of the EU, meaning that, you know, when when um, we know the terms of Brexit, you know, should there be a novel referendum on the subject? And this is a question that we've been tracking over time. To give you the specific wording, we say, once we know what terms the government has negotiated, should there be a second referendum on Britain's membership of the EU, where voters can choose between leaving under the terms negotiated or remaining in the EU after all? Now, we've tracked this question uh, since December last year. Um, we, we also tracked it in March, June, and now July. And what we've noticed over time is not really much change. Um, in, in June, for example, 38% wanted a second referendum. In March, 38% wanted a second referendum. In December, it was 33%. So uh, a slight uplift there. But the re- most recent numbers taken over this weekend with a nationally representative sample show 41% of Brits wanting a second referendum on, on Brexit. 48% said no, and 12% said don't know. But we see this um, an eight-point increase between now and December when the question was first asked. And although uh, there is a seven-point lead for not having a second referendum, we do see a, gen- general, uh, a general gradual trend in that direction. I, I do wonder whether that will continue. Um, it certainly does seem to be um, something that we're moving towards. And the news environment right now does seem to be um, quite negative towards Brexit. So um, I don't know. Who's to say how a second referendum would come about? But if these numbers continue to trend this way, then maybe um, maybe that, that will be an issue that's back on the agenda. What causes this? Um, well, you won't be surprised to know um, that this trend is caused by Remain voters. Back in December of, of 2016, um, 59% of Remain voters wanted another referendum on the subject, whereas 27% did not. Now, that upticked slightly in March, and then in June it was 64%. But now, 69% of Remainers want a second referendum. That's a 10-point increase since December, and 20% don't, which is a 7-point decrease since December. So, you can see a real shift there in Remainers, um, maybe starting gradually to rally behind this idea of another referendum. Now, on the flip side, Leave voters tend to be um, pretty consistent in their in, in their sort of opposition. Um, 11% of Leave voters answering our poll said that they wanted another referendum. 82% said they didn't. Um, if we compare that back to December, 9% said they wanted another referendum. 81% said that they didn't. Um, so no real change on the Leave side, but on the Remain side, um, we're seeing um, a, a steady shift towards having that second referendum. Now, another question that we asked on our poll related to how strongly people feel about this question of Britain's membership of the EU. Now, maybe a redundant question, some will argue, given that we've already voted to leave, but still an interesting topic nonetheless. Um, and we gave uh, respondents a four-point scale, 
um, where, and they could indicate whether they strongly felt that the UK should remain, 34% indicated that. Whether they strongly felt that the UK should leave the EU, 33% indicated that. But there was this large chunk of people in the middle that um, either were open-minded on whether Britain remains in the EU or leaves, or thought that Britain should leave or remain but didn't feel that strongly about it. And when we add those people together, that was 28% of our sample. And in fact, if we add don't knows to that, that was 34% of our sample. So what we saw in this question was a third, a third, a third split between people that felt strongly either way or people in the middle that felt that, they're, um, that, they, that they weren't particularly animated by this question of... Um, of Brexit. Now, what we haven't done is cut those numbers by um, the, this EU, the second referendum question, but it's something that we're going to be looking into. But I think this just speaks to something that I was mentioning on social media a few weeks ago, that yes, there are these passionate voices on either side, and you know, understandably so in most cases, um, but there is a large chunk of people in the middle that can be persuaded. And I just think we need to um, keep an eye on some of these numbers, because as I wrote after the general election, the potential prospect of a Labour government in the future that wasn't there six weeks ago does mean that, in my mind at least, this question of um, Brexit being inevitable uh, maybe is less certain than it once was. Now, of course, the path to remaining, after all, seems very, very uh, slim. Uh, it doesn't seem very, very likely. Not clear that Jeremy Corbyn would ever back that. Um, but nevertheless, it feels like there's more of a path there than there once was. And if this, um, if these numbers about a second referendum continue to trend upwards, then you you can bet your bottom dollar that somebody in the Labour Party, maybe Chukaramuna, will, will will try and pursue that agenda in the future. Whether they'll be successful, I have no idea. But it is interesting to notice that um, that public opinion does seem to be ever so gradually shifting. But that's all we've got time for this week's uh, Political Betting Polling Matters podcast. Uh, a big thanks once again to my guest today, uh, John Christopher Buer. If you do like what you hear, please, as ever, share us on social media. Give us a nice positive rating on iTunes or other podcast apps. Maybe even a comment. The um, algorithm gods that um, dictate where you are in the charts um, do uh, take into account uh, um, likes and uh, and uh, comments. And that really helps get our voice out there. But for now... As ever, thanks very much for listening and stay tuned for more Polling Matters episodes in the coming weeks.